Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, June 14th, 2021. I'm your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma playing Gettys. Let Tim host. Kevin, does Blessing sound extremely robotic to you? Is it just on my side? Nah, he did for a second, but he's human again. He's human again. That program okay. made her back up. Human okay. again. Human back again. Tim, proud. how are you feeling? Yeah. We're a uh, few days into E3 now. Yeah, I'm feeling fantastic. I will say today seems to be like kind of the rest, right? We had like such yeah. a hype weekend, a lot of things going on. At least Saturday, we had the big one at Ubisoft. Sunday, we had the big one at Microsoft and a little bit of Square. Today, Capcom seems to be the thing to have all eyes on. Of course, there's the uh, E3 Indies showcase to do as well. That's exciting. But we've seen a couple indie showcases this weekend already. So I'm expecting a lot of repeats, right? Repeat visitors there. But Capcom, Village DLC, excited about that. Maybe some surprises. Always excited about that. But of course, tomorrow's what I got my eyes on. Bless Dude. Nintendo, baby. Let's Nintendo, go. baby. They they tweeted out this morning, actually, uh, reminding people. They, they they said, see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in for a hashtag Nintendo Direct with, uh, with roughly 40 minutes of info focused exclusively on Nintendo Switch software, most releasing in 2021, followed by around three hours of gameplay in hashtag Nintendo Treehouse Live. Tim. What is your hype levels now that we're one day away from Nintendo? Do you have any any last minute predictions? I, I think that it's impossible for me to get more hyped than I've been for this Nintendo thing because it's been a long time, bless. And I don't need to go over well-torn territory here, but I have been wanting a nice, chunky Nintendo Direct with a lot of announcements, with a lot of information about the games that I'm going to be playing in the imminent future for the next 365 days, hopefully even the next 100 days. What's coming? What am I going to be playing on my Nintendo Switch that honestly hasn't been getting that much play recently? So I don't want to go too crazy. I'm predicting we'll see the final two Smash characters. I think that's an easy thing. Who they're going to be, that's where the levels of hype are gonna gonna come. But on top of that, Breath of the Wild 2, I'm really I feel it. I feel it's gonna be there, bless. I feel it's gonna wow us. Uh, but I don't think it's gonna be alone. And I do think that Nintendo's gonna have uh, a couple other announcements that are gonna make me go, ooh, baby, baby, as Greg would like to say. <laughs> Can I tell you about a sad thought I had this morning? Yes. I woke up this morning, I saw the tweet, and I had the sad thought of like, what if Breath of the Wild 2 isn't there? <laughs> what if the yeah. Switch Pro isn't there? The Switch Pro not being there, I think, is uh, there's a chance. I'm, yeah. I'm like 70-30 on the Switch Pro. And I know yeah. there's a lot of evidence of people saying, like, oh, they're saying it's, it's software only, or they're saying it's not hardware, whatever. Eh, they've lied before. Of course, of course. I hope we see Breath of the Wild too. I hope we get some some good stuff. And it being it being 40 minutes long, I think, speaks to them having at least... If, at least if they don't have those big hitters, they'll have things to talk about. I'm sure they're going to lay out the fall and what someone next year looks like. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Again, that's happening mm -hmm. tomorrow. Kind of funny. We'll be live reacting to it as we've been live <clears throat> live reacting to so much going on at E3. But Tim, speaking mm -hmm. of E3, today's stories for Kind of Funny Games Daily include Xbox Game Pass being ridiculous, more deets on Elden Ring's open world, and what the fuck happened to Babylon's Fall? Because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every week at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If we don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze member members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show 
Housekeeping for you, the E3 train is still rolling. You can catch all of the live reactions we've already done over on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. That includes that includes us reacting live to Summer Games Fest kickoff, us reacting live to Ubisoft, Ubisoft, us reacting live to Xbox, and pretty much every single showcase going on at E3. Uh, that also includes the Gamescast reactions that we do, which at the end of the day, we do wrap-ups uh, in a podcast discussion version. Uh, and so those are all up over on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and on your podcast services around the globe. And speaking of, don't miss out on the today and, to, and tomorrow's E3, E3 shenanigans uh, after this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily on Twitch is us reacting to Halo Infinite's multiplayer overview, uh, followed by the E3 Indie Showcase, then an afternoon of gaming before we react to Capcom Showcase and PS I Love You XOXO at the end of the day to wrap it all up, featuring the one, the only, Janet Garcia. We'll be talking about the PlayStation perspective of E3 so get hyped for that. Also, write into Patreon with your questions regarding PlayStation E3. It can be about, any, be, be about anything. It can be about what you think PlayStation uh, should have done at E3, whether you think PlayStation should have been at E3, uh, all the PlayStation E3-related questions and thoughts. Again, write in there. We're recording that at the end of the day. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Donovan Hark Harkness and Blackjack. Today, we're brought to you by Burrow, but I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be. The world what is the question? Yeah, real quick. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Baker's dozen. A lot of people in the chat are asking uh, why we aren't doing the take two thing. We were told it's a panel on inclusivity, which is cool. You should go check that out later. But uh, we're not reacting to it because there's not going to be any announcements or anything. And also, the PS I Love You XOXO that we're doing at the end of the day will be free and live on twitch.tv slash games. So you don't even need to be a Patreon supporter to get that one today. It's a very special event that we're all very excited about. Hell yeah. Tim, today's Roper Report is basically going to be E3 2021, the highlights. Can be us talking about the biggest E3 news so far and tidbits and additional information that we've gotten about some of the biggest E3 announcements and so i'm gonna go pretty much big showcase by big showcase uh with some sprinkling in of the bigger bigger games announced uh so far starting off with xbox because story number one xbox came out in uh swinging with some of the biggest announcements of e3 uh they talked about starfield and how it's coming out in 2022 uh, and we know a little bit more about it i'm gonna pull from owen good at polygon Starfield is the next large-scale AAA role-playing game from Fallout and Skyrim makers Bethesda Game Studios. It'll launch November 11th, 2022 on Xbox Series X slash S and PC. But what is Starfield? Quote, Skyrim in space, Todd Howard told the Washington Post. In the same interview with the Post, Bethesda managing director Ashley Chang called it, quote, the Han Solo simulator. Get in the ship, explore the galaxy, do fun stuff, end quote. In an interview given to The Telegraph, Howard mentioned the constellation, which is, quote, this last group of space explorers. Their activities are like NASA meets Indiana Jones meets the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Howard said. The constellation is one of multiple factions within the game. Players of Fallout and the Elder Scrolls would expect no less. But it's the main one you'll become, become a part of, Howard said. Although players will encounter and can align with other groups as Starfield's role-playing narrative, narrative <clears throat> moves on. The player is in a timeline about 300 years ahead of ours. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to Nibel, who tweeted out uh, some a few more details from that Telegraph interview, uh, noting Todd Howard said the following uh, about Starfield. It's a more hardcore RPG than previous Bethesda games. Uh, it can be played in first or third person. Uh, it's grounded in scientific reality, but 
It's still a game. Uh, there are there <clears throat> there are lasers in a vacuum. He also talked about alien races and planets uh, and said that it's very big. Tim, with this additional info, does this do anything for your Starfield hype? I mean, it's very interesting. To, I think that the biggest thing is that it's officially official, Lee official, 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 as many times as it can be. It's an Xbox exclusive. Like they came out, they oh, yeah. said it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like they are very, very clear about what the acquisition of Bethesda is going to mean for um xbox and you know on top of that something we didn't even talk about yesterday while doing a live reaction or our games cast post show uh death loop wasn't there ghostwire tokyo wasn't there like they just didn't talk about the playstation uh projects they're working on which is interesting because they didn't need to they had so many games to talk about so many experiences from uh xbox's first party studios all the way down to well xbox's other first party studios in the form of bethesda studios right um and everything they're saying about starfield seems to be really hitting with the player base it's targeting like they are definitely hyping this up as the big one as the next uh game that is on the level of a core fallout or a core elder scrolls title and that's that's a lot of hype that's a lot of expectation that they're putting on this but uh i said this yesterday and i was looking into it i couldn't find any evidence to the contrary i think this is the furthest out we've ever had a release date for a video game like mm -hmm. november next year and it's only yep. june now right like that's that's crazy and like with that especially given the state of the world now I, nothing is in stone like even that yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if it gets pushed into 2023 for a game this ambi uh, ambitious like quote it's very big right like to say that about this type of game in the era way and where this is next gen we are talking about the the full power that at that point um or at least trying to use utilize the full power very exciting stuff and i think them starting uh their show with starfield was a a very very big power move although not seeing gameplay with the context of knowing where the release date is now and all that it makes sense but going into the conference i think it was on every most people's uh predictions that we were going to see some gameplay for this yeah uh, i think in a bethesda uh publisher that isn't under xbox they probably would have held off showing the game until maybe next year um, but them being part of Xbox makes me think that, hey, they want to come out and make a statement. Them starting off with Todd Howard felt like such a big, hey, this is what this is now. This is what Xbox Game Studios looks like. It looks like Todd Howard. It looks like Pete Hines. It, look, it looks like them in conjunction with the studios that you know and love from Xbox. Uh, and so that felt very purposeful and it very much felt like a statement of, hey, by the way, we have this big game that you're going to look forward to and it's going to come out next year. And them, them stating a date. One is like a little bit of a hype moment because them saying 11-11-2022 reflects Skyrim's 11-11-11 release date. And so that's like, that's kind of a cool reference there. But it gives us concrete answers for what Xbox is doing and what they're building over the next couple of years. Like we've talked a lot over the last generation about Xbox having that big stumble with the Xbox One launch uh, and feeling like they've been trying to regain ground over the course of an entire generation. And we've we've kind of complained and complained complained about what xbox is doing right like where are the first party games where are the things that are comparative to what nintendo does with their first party or what playstation does with their first party we want that out of xbox them treating starfield as this huge thing uh and giving us concrete uh info with it along with you know a first glance a first cinematic with it i think it's really cool because it gives us a tone i know plenty of people are going to be like why are people hyped about starfield we know nothing about it and of course you know fair point 
hype can often lead to disaster in many cases. We've seen like No Man's Sky or Cyberpunk 2077. But the way I see Bethesda Game Studios is the same way I see one of my favorite musical artists, where if I know uh uh i'll just use olivia rodrigo for example olivia rodrigo announces a new album i'm gonna be hyped for that new album because i love her last stuff right but that's the game studios is a, is a developer that plenty of us love plenty of us love elder scrolls plenty of us love fallout of course there have been stumbles there too fallout 76 wasn't magnificent at all but like fallout 4 was a game that plenty of people love fallout 3 so, so many people's favorite uh favorite game same with elder scrolls and if you're telling me that they're putting out their next big single player game that is going to be a new IP and they have this vision for it and, and it's going to be bigger than ever, that's the thing that I think is okay to be excited for. Of course, you know, cautious optimism always, but still, it's a very hype thing. And I think such a big power move for, for Xbox to come out and lead lead in this way. Mm-hmm. But fo- following that, uh, Xbox also revealed Redfall, uh, which is Arkane's new game, Arkane Austin. We got a few more details about that. I'm pulling directly from the game's website, which goes into more detail about what exactly the game is. Redfall is an open-world co-op FPS from Arkane Austin, the team behind Prey and Dishonored. The quaint island town of Redfall, Massachusetts, is under siege by a legion of vampires who have blocked out the sun and cut the island off from the outside world. Trapped with a handful of survivors against diabolical enemies, threatening to bleed the town dry, choose your hero from a diverse roster, grouping up with, with other characters to create the perfect team of vampire slayers. Redfall blends single-player and multiplayer options seamlessly, allowing the player to venture into darkness alone or to squad up with up to three friends uh, for four-player co-op. Teammates can try different hero loadouts and combine their strengths to overcome the Vampire Legion and their brood of maniac followers. Redfall is launching exclusively on Xbox Series X slash S and PC in summer 2022. And you can play it day one with Xbox Game Pass. And yeah, this is another one that I think does a very similar thing as Starfield, where it is them being like, hey, 2022, here's another concrete thing to look forward to. Summer 2022 from Arkane Austin, another Bethesda, Bethesda studio, uh, working on this new thing that 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 uh, looks really cool. And Tim, to your point earlier about how we didn't see Death Loop or Ghostwire Tokyo, I made I made the off comment, half joking, but then also half like a little bit serious that like, you know, showing off Redfall feels like such a, you know, sure they got Death Loop on PlayStation, which we're obligated to put out, but hey, look what else we got Ar- uh, Arcane doing, and it looks just as cool. It looks uh, it looks like it has a lot of the elements that you love from Arcane games as well, and you can look forward to Arcane games uh, being exclusive on Xbox in the future that felt like such a statement of that which i think uh was a very powerful thing to do i mean an important thing to note there too is like you know inevitably death loop and ghostwire tokyo will be on game pass the moment that that shit expires of the exclusivity on playstation right so that's just gonna bolster the game pass catalog just like adding hades does where it's like adding this back catalog of games or all the yakuza games they added uh to game pass it's it's that library content that just kind of bolsters an already fantastic value but uh with this what i'm really liking uh that xbox did and this is what they've been setting up for the last couple of years and you know it, it still is a thing of we're not getting the quality games yet we're not actually playing them actively month to month but we are closer to that than we've ever been before where we now have a kind of roadmap where we have a month to month of what we're looking at and you know we've been talking a lot about streaming platforms and how it can like how video games differ um and where they have some similarities with streaming platforms or just move like theatrical movie releases and it's the same thing as disney plus where they launched with mandalorian 
but we knew the lineup of all these other things were going to come, both Star Wars and Marvel and otherwise. And we're finally in that point where week to week, we're getting an MCU show every week. We're getting a Star Wars show every week. It's going to get to the point that we're getting multiple every week of all of that for the rest of time. We're about to hit that with Xbox of getting a Xbox exclusive title on Game Pass of consequence every single month, if not more. And I like that with all of what used to just be a bunch of logos on a screen of developers and publishers that um, Microsoft acquired has is now turning into game logos with dates underneath them, or at least timelines underneath them. So we can start in our minds putting together a, a list of things of like, oh, okay, cool. We understand the roadmap that Xbox is working at. And every time we get an Xbox showcase, we can get updates on things. There's a format that makes sense for that. And then surprises fill in as either additional big tentpole moments or fill in the, the gaps that don't have spots on the calendar. And I think that's a really great opportunity for them to make their ecosystem matter more than it ever has before. Yeah, Kevin, right now I'm sending in, in uh, a picture to Assets, uh, which Xbox tweeted out uh, after their conference yesterday, pretty much laying out what Xbox Game Pass looks like after their presentation yesterday, basically laying out games that were available as of yesterday, games that will be uh, uh, played day one this year, and then games coming out in the future. And it actually lays out a really impressive uh, catalog for Game Pass for the foreseeable future, which is really impressive. And as I'm talking about that, I do want to wrap up with uh, the Xbox thing, talking about how we also got uh, Contraband from Avalanche Studios being announced as an Xbox Studios game, and then the Outer Worlds 2 announcement, which is really awesome, and then Forza Horizon 5 coming out this November 9th. Uh, but again, the real star of the show, I think, from the Xbox Game Showcase uh, is Game Pass, and so that's going to be story number two. Xbox Game Pass is a beast. I'm going to pull from Wesley Yinpool at Eurogamer, who basically broke down uh, all the announcements uh, uh, of games by Game Pass. And right now, Kevin does have the image up uh, where you can see, an, for me, a very impressive showcase of what Xbox Game Game Pass looks like. I'm going to go 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 through this uh, via the Wesley Yinpool uh, article at Eurogamer. Microsoft confirmed a number of games set for Xbox Game Pass in 2021 and beyond during its E3 show. Today, 13th of June, uh, oh yeah, this is Eurogamer, so they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna uh, do it like that. 13th of June, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon hits Xbox Game Pass. Uh, this one leaked yesterday. On June 22nd, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance comes out as a day one Xbox Game Pass title. We knew about this one already. Microsoft Flight Simulator is an Xbox Game Pass title for consoles on July 27th. On July 29th, The Ascent comes out as a day one Xbox Game Pass title. Uh, we also knew about this one. Uh, here's one we didn't know about. The wonderful Hades game hits Xbox Game Pass on August 13th. 12 Minutes launches onto Game Pass uh, August 19th. Psychonauts 2 is down for Game Pass on August 25th. Origami 2 hits Game Pass on September 17th. Sable uh, hits Game Pass on September 23rd. The Anacrusis is down for Game Pass this autumn, uh, as is Scorn. Back for Blood launches into Xbox Game Pass on October 12th. Uh, let's see. October 28th uh, sees Age of, Age of Empires 4 come out and launch into Game Pass. Forza Horizon 5 comes out uh, November 9th, uh, and as you'd expect of a first-party game, enters Game Pass day one. Shredders, uh, that, that's one that Stoic Mike is very hyped for, hits Game Pass in December. Halo Infinite is down for holiday 2021, and of course launches into Xbox Game Pass. Uh, and then listed as 2021 for Game Pass are Among Us, Hello Neighbor 2, and The Gunk. Uh, that's, all, that's all that was revealed for Game Pass in 2021 during Microsoft's E3 
2023 show. But of course, there are 2022 games coming to Xbox Game Pass as well. The Outer Worlds 2, Stalker 2, and A Plague Tale Requiem are all day one Xbox Game Pass titles. So are Starfield, Redfall, Contraband, Party Animals, Atomic Heart, Somerville, Slime Rancher 2, Ayudin Chronicle, 100 Heroes, and Replaced. Tim, what does this do for you in Game Pass? This is all absolutely insane, obviously, as we've been talking about for years at this point, and it's finally happening where we're getting the day one big releases that are actually coming, and there's enough of them for that to actually have some consequence, right? Uh, my best friend, Curran, loved Halo growing up. That's how I got into Halo as much as I did, and he has fallen off of gaming but been back in certain ways whatever but he's definitely now he owns a ps5 he plays on ps5 gave up his xbox days and like that's just he doesn't have that much time he plays warzone that's pretty much it but when the halo trailer dropped yesterday the multiplayer trailer i slide or not slacked him i texted him and i was just like dude when you have a sec watch this trailer and like he responded to me he's like holy shit i'm shaking from watching that god mm -hmm. damn it brings me back i need this and i was like dude it's free Halo yeah. multiplayer is free. And at this point, I was like talking to him then. I'm like, I can't imagine a world that if you're a gamer, I wouldn't recommend getting Game Pass. Figure it out somehow, whether it's buying an Xbox, any version of the Xbox to play it on, or some version of the cloud, whether it's using, you know, different uh, internet browsers or whatever, or your phone or whatever. Use the X Cloud or wait till they put out some type of dongle because it's inevitably happening or get a TV that has it <laughs> built into it. There's just going to be so many options by the time Halo's coming out for people to play Xbox that it's like, I just can't imagine not spending the couple dollars a month with the amount of deals that they have to get this thing, even if you're a, a core PS5 player or a core Nintendo Switch player. It's just an additive experience that's going to save you so much money to be able to try so many different things you wouldn't have tried otherwise. Tim joined by the kind of funny X-Cast very own Paris Lily. Paris, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing fantastic this morning. Thank you for letting me chime in on this because you know I was listening. I was like, I, I got to say something. I'm, I'm with I'm with Tim and I, and, I, and I watched you guys on Gamecast last night as well. And just that overall conversation of what Xbox did yesterday, I think is important. They laid out basically a two year roadmap. Here's here's the games you can expect coming from us over the next two years. And then they also said, and oh, by the way, all of them are going to be day one on Game Pass over that same two years. And like the graphic you put up earlier, it shows you the value of what they're trying to do. And then the, the point you just made with Halo, Tim, um, I watched the, the, the stream they put out today about the multiplayer and, and the free to play portion of that is so important because Joe Staten even said it himself. This allows them to get the biggest audience possible to engage with that game. Yes. And then at that point, if they've earned your engagement, you will happily go buy that battle pass. You will happily go buy cosmetic mm -hmm. items, things like that. Um, it, it, it brings me into when I think about Battlefield 2042. I think this is the difference where people are upset at the $70 price point. You took away campaign. Whereas if Battlefield was free to play and you said, all right, here's a battle pass. Here's co cosmetic items. I think people will be a lot more receptive to that. Whereas I think the price point is the barrier. Like if Battlefield was on Game Pass today, I think people will be talking about it in the same positive light that they're talking about Halo Infinite today. Yeah. Because of that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we talked about it a little bit, but I am, I'm shocked that it, it wasn't announced for being on Game Pass. I think Battlefield is being put out to die. People are going to enjoy it for a bit, but it's not going to nearly hit the highs that it could have hit. 
because uh, the type of multiplayer suite that that game is offering doesn't really exist in this day and age right now in a way that is like massively successful the full price multiplayer only title the exception to that is overwatch right that is kind of a more at this point a what five-year-old six-year-old game like in 2021 people aren't going out and, and doing that and buying that in the 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 numbers that they would need for it to be nearly as successful and money making as the war zones of the worlds etc cetera, etc cetera. and halo and battlefield being two similar old school nostalgic multiplayer suites of games big team battle style objective based capture the flag all that type of shit coming out this year so close to each other and for this to be on game pass and to be quote unquote free for people that's such a huge leg up that honestly halo needs and honestly battlefield needs yeah, com completely agree I, I i do think pushing this back just just into xbox i think i loved how they they showed they instantly showed you how they spent that 7.5 billion dollars for bethesda yesterday they opened the show with starfield they close it with redfall and in between you saw how they're going to continue to expand upon fallout 76 obviously the stuff with elder scrolls online which i i feel this weird need i want to go play it now for some reason but um but then you even had phil spencer like literally just lay out the lineup of shooters yep. they had and just how the bethesda shooters just integrated right into that and you're mm -hmm. like holy shit we're getting a lot that that's yeah. going to be coming to Xbox Game Studios over the next few years. And then one one last point I wanted to make was it was great to see what they talked about, but then it instantly made me think about, well, look at all of what they didn't talk about that we know is still coming. So I, I just think it's an exciting time, you know, for Xbox moving forward yeah. over the next few years. I think you're 1000 percent correct. And I think the thing that Xbox has done that I really appreciate is that they've really found a a voice in terms of this is why you're playing on xbox even outside of game pass like game yeah. pass alone i think is such a value add but when you look at the game library we talk about we talk about different publishers being good at different things right you look at ubisoft and you're like ubisoft knows how to make a checklist open world game and they know how to make tom clancy games really well you look at nintendo nintendo knows how to make a nintendo game they know how to make a platformer they know how to make a family game they know how to make that type of game playstation really good at making uh third person action games really good at making these big budget high ass quality uh, uh, narrative storytelling, uh, 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 single player games that people fall in love with. Xbox, I think, over the last generation has kind of struggled with what is that voice. We know Xbox for shooters, but even those haven't hit as strongly in the Xbox One generation as you would say they have during their original Xbox or even the Xbox uh, 360 uh, generation. And now more than ever, I think Xbox has found such a good voice with. Uh, okay, cool. Now, now we are the place you go to where you want to play first-person shooter, whether it is a multiplayer campaign or, or whether it is a multiplayer or it is a campaign. Also, we are one thousand percent where you go if you want to play a Western RPG, which which is going to hit uh, big for so many people because there are so many people that are fans of games like the Fallout games, like the Elder Scrolls games, like Outer Worlds, like Fable. They have such a uh, a voice now and a vision with. Uh, uh, what their specialty is and i think that's probably going to pay off for them in the long run because it feels like they are owning that space uh more than more than they ever have before yeah yeah totally with Paris, you. thank you so much for coming through appreciate yeah, thank you. you always love talking to xbox with you you're an mvp <laughs> right on talk to you later tim 
Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Ubisoft. This is story number three. Uh, Ubisoft gave us a deep dive into Rainbow Six Extraction gameplay during their own Ubisoft Forward presentation. Uh, Rainbow Six Extraction releases on Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, PC, and Stadia on September 16th, 2021. Uh, we also got another look at Riders Republic with a release of September 2nd. We also got a Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope reveal with more freeform gameplay uh, and a release window of 20. 2022. However, Ubisoft's big one more thing was Avatar. I'm going to pull from Andrew Webster at The Verge, who helps us break that down. Ubisoft capped off its E3 keynote with a big surprise, a first look at Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. The next-gen take on James Cameron's world's, uh, world looks gorgeous, and Ubisoft says it's being built with its own snowdrop engine at Internal Studio Massive. Here's the story premise. In this new standalone story, play as Navi and embark on a journey across the western frontier, a never-before-seen part of Pandora. Explore a living and reactive world inhabited by unique creatures and new characters, and push back the formidable RDA forces that threaten it. The game appears to be built with, uh, with next-gen hardware in mind. Frontier Frontiers of Pandora is slated for release on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series X slash S, along with cloud services Google Stadia and Amazon Luna. Tim, how do you feel about the way that they showed off uh, uh, this new, uh, uh, not Pandora, Avatar, Avatar game? <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I, I, I always like when companies have the one more thing moment because it, it's it's showing like they think that this is something special we should keep our eyes on i think it being the avatar game they announced many years ago still being a thing is one of the less exciting things it could have been uh, especially this team like i would have personally rather to see a star wars game from them that we know is coming eventually uh but even on top of that like with ubisoft if we're getting an old ubisoft game being brought back beyond good and evil 2 something i'm more interested in than this Having said that, I've always been a fan of the Avatar movie, and I've always thought that it gets needlessly hated on. Um, I don't never think I needed a video game based in that world, but that world's going to be very pretty, and this uh, has proven that. You know, I didn't need a Disneyland or Disney World world of Pandora, but going there, I'm like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my life, even though I'm not tied to the IP with that level of nostalgia, right? Um, and I think it could work as a video game, especially a next-gen one, the way that they're they're building this out. But uh, I, I struggle to find the hype in this for, for large swaths of people. Yeah. Yeah, this game feels like such an interesting decision, and it feels almost like a... We made this deal years ago when there were big plans for Avatar, and now Avatar, uh, I don't know if the movie's been delayed or if it's just taking a long time to to get out the next both. Avatar stuff, but a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. It feel it, it does feel like it's being announced uh, at a kind of a, of a weird time that might make more sense by the time we get there. You know, maybe maybe by the time the game actually comes out, we'll be more more in a place of, okay, cool, we are getting more avatar avatar stuff um in other in, in other places and so it's making more sense but yeah for for right now i didn't really feel the hype in it but that said i know there are probably avatar fans out there who saw this and saw this and they're like oh cool let's do this and the game did look beautiful the game does look great and it coming from ubisoft massive i think uh speaks see, speaks to the fact that it could be a really good game because ubisoft massive is pretty good what they do uh and so yeah I, and i i think we're also kind of in agreement that like this almost makes us more hype for what Star Wars is going to be seeing this trailer roll out because I think that you'll you have way more fans of Star Wars games than a theoretical Avatar game. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and yeah, like I, I, I think out of all the stuff they showed, it makes sense that this was the one more thing. But you know, I, I, I am kind of with you that it, it felt lacking in the like the hype for me. Yeah. Now, Tim, to move on with story number four, we got a little bit of follow up information on Elden Ring. Miyazaki explained how the open world is going to work. I'm pulling from Matt TM Kim at IGN. IGN was able to sit down with Miyazaki for an extensive deep dive into Elden Ring. One of the things we learned is how, uh, how the sense of scale shown in the trailer wasn't just for cinematic effect, but a core pillar of Elden Ring's design. Throughout our interview, Miyazaki talked about Elden Ring's setting, uh, the lands between, and the importance of having massive worlds players can freely explore. The Lanes Between is made up of six major areas, each of which is the domain of a major demigod character. Miyazaki says that it will be apparent there is an order to how players can tackle these six areas, but you don't have to follow it. Quote, we wanted to give a free level of progression and exploration through the lands between, so there's, no, there's a lot of different ways. You won't be able to access everything from the start, but there are a lot of different ways you can approach each area. And there's a lot of, a lot of freedom as to which order you can tackle different areas as well. Miyazaki broke it down further, explaining that each of the six areas will, quote, house its own mainline dungeon map, end quote, which seamlessly connects to the lands between. There's even a hub, not unlike Dark Souls Firelink Shrine, which players can branch out from that can be, that can be accessed a little later in the game. The more Miyazaki explains the world of Elden Ring, the bigger it feels. Beyond the main dungeons of the six domains, there are also, quote, a wide variety of catacombs and castles and fortresses which are interspersed throughout the map, end quote. While there are certainly overworlds that come to mind when hearing Miyazaki explain the map layout of Elden Ring, cough, Breath of the Wild, cough, this expansive design <laughs> signals particularly exciting possibilities. But separating the world into six major domains that function as their own dungeons while also creating a larger, explorable world with off-the-beaten-path mini-dungeons, Elden Ring could feel like a truly open world that still keeps the level of map craft craftsmanship from software is known for. And Tim, literally every single thing said in this interview with Miyazaki has me fucking hyped as hell. Yeah, this is like <laughs> speaking exactly to Blessing. And that's the thing, yeah. exactly to many people because they're just kind of like, all right, here's a lot of things that people have loved let's combine them together and there's elements of all those things that can work really well together so i mean this is exciting right like all yeah. eyes are on elden ring and i feel like it is going to succeed you know i feel like this i don't think this is going to end up being a cyberpunk situation i think elden ring is going to deliver what people are looking for from it yeah one one thousand percent them talking about uh uh it feeling like it could it could truly keep that craftsmanship that from software is known for i think that's huge i think that's key because when we think of open world games we often think about how those tend to sacrifice a lot of the detail and a lot of the uh, uh uh the tlc that makes a lot of linear games work you know like when I, when I think of from software games i think of the personality in the world i think of the details of how you'll you'll walk through the uh, uh, the bloodborne world and see bodies laid out in a certain way that tells a story like every single every single thing in a bloodborne game or a Sekiro game in terms of set dressing feels purposeful into telling the story of what the fuck went down in this neighborhood or what went down in this dungeon or what did went what went down in this area and that can often feel like it's uh not as not as doable in an open world because of how much is going on and how much you had to do to ha to make a world that open them talking about <clears throat> how they're attempting to make it so that hey we're doing six major domains in this game and each of it is going to have each of each of these areas are going to have their own energy and it's going it's going you're still you're still going to have that 
dungeon-y, mazy level design that you truly adore from From Software, I think that speaks to the fact that you're still going to have this be a traditional From Software game in terms of tone and in terms of quality and in terms of world design. Uh, and I'm super excited for that. And yeah, like the the uh, quote-unquote Breath of the Wild uh, inspirations, or I guess the, the links, no pun intended, because I'm don't. i not going to sit here and act like they probably played Breath of the Wild and they were like, oh, we should change From Software games based on this. But the idea of, hey, you can tackle this how you want. You can go, you can fight bosses in your own order. Of course, if you fight them in, in a certain order, it'll probably be easier for you, but you still have that freedom to play how you want and explore how you want. Uh, I think that's such a good thing. I love when open world games do that because I think that gives the game a reason to be open world. You know, I'm not I'm not a big fan of open world games that feel like, hey, do step one, then do step two, then do step then do step three, because oftentimes I'm like, this could have been linear. Um, but this feels like it's going to be open world in, in a way that makes an open world game feel purposeful and meaningful. And that's the thing that I absolutely adore from it. What I'm most excited for uh, is seeing the connection with George R. R. Martin, if he's writing this. Like, I wonder if this game is going to have more of a uh, digestible story and plot than has been mm-hmm. previously seen with the souls games and, and bloodborne. Uh, Cause I think that that could be a step up, right. To have like the deep lore and all that stuff, but also have the core plot that, that's going through and have it be fantastic because he has that ability. Yeah. I'd be curious to see. I doubt it uh, mainly because I think so many from software fans are, are fans of the way that they make the worlds mysterious uh Sekiro I think is the closest thing they've done or they've had to having a story that feels upfront and you follow it along like a traditional narrative but even that game was filled with so much mystery and Elden Ring feels like it's kind of going back to the Dark Souls formula it seems like what uh George R.R. Martin uh his involvement is with the game is more so building out what the lore of the world is and not necessarily the, the the main narrative but even that, you know, could be exciting. I'm not a big George R. R. Martin person, but I know how much people love Game of Thrones and how much people love his works for the most part. And so if you're telling me that we're going to have the hype of uh, his level of storytelling that decorates the world and makes that world feel uh, deep and explorable, I'm down for it. I think that's going to be an amazing thing if they're able to combine those efforts super well. Tim? People mm-hmm. can go over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Burrow. Most of us haven't found our forever home, which makes buying furniture a double-edged sword. You're either buying some cheap futon that you'll just leave out on the curb someday, or you're investing in an expensive sofa that might last forever, but definitely becomes a pain in the butt when it's time to actually move. You think someone would have figured out how to create quality furniture built for the way we actually live wherever we live. Well, someone has. Burrow. Burrow makes furniture easy to shop for. Shop for everything you need for your living room online. No far-flung warehouses, no high-pressure salespeople. Plus, Burrow's world-class support team is available for you whenever you need. Burrow makes furniture easy to assemble, easy to move. Burrow's innovative modular design and super helpful instructions makes assembling and disassembling your furniture quick and hassle-free. And when it's time to move, your Burrow furniture won't hold you back. It's furniture designed for the way you live. Their credenzas are actually tall enough to fit next-gen consoles standing vertically. Their award-winning Nomad sofa has a built-in USB charger for all-day power. 
It makes things fast with free shipping on every order. Burrow can save you an average of $100 on large items like a couch and a logistics headache. Right now, you can get $75 off your first order at burrow.com slash games. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash games for $75 off your Burrow purchase. Burrow.com slash games. And we're back with story number five. Tim, let's talk about Square Enix's showcase. Uh, two of the bigger announcements they had were Guardians of the Galaxy and the Final Fantasy spinoff, Final Fantasy Origin. Started no, with Guardians of the Galaxy. Call it by its name. Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, let's start off with Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, that's coming from Eidos Montreal. Uh, it was announced and had possibly the best showing of the presentation. Uh, it's coming to PS4, PS5, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X on October 26th. Uh, Tim, this is one that you got to see behind closed doors. I don't know how much you can say about it, but it looked cool, right? It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, and honestly, I just saw the same thing that was shown to everybody yeah. else. So I, I didn't get to see anything extra. I just got to see a little bit early. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited for this game. I don't think that it looks fantastic by any means, but like I really think that this looks above and beyond what I'd ever expect from a Guardians of the Galaxy game, it being made by Eidos Montreal. Like, if it's just Deus Ex with a Guardian skin, I'm I'm in. I'm kind of like ready for that. And that's kind of what it looks like here. Um, I like the Marvel games are branching out as much as they are. I love the commitment to it just being a single player game. Like this very much is what I wanted from this. Uh, I didn't expect them to do the your only Star Lord route. I thought we'd be able to maybe mission to mission change uh, who we're playing as. But honestly, I'm actually even more excited for this. I want to see them build skill trees and and work through as. The understanding is you're playing as this character and your abilities are going to grow with the one path with one type of gameplay that will be enhanced in hopefully a way similar to experience I've liked recently, like Spider-Man or Ratchet and Clank. So mm. if this can come anywhere close to the insomniac levels of a single player third person action game, I'm going to be really, really excited. I also don't expect insomniac levels. I expect yeah. something a little bit lesser than and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I expect I expect something something between Avengers and Spider Man. You know, I'm I I think this looked really fun. I'm with you that it didn't look amazing, especially in terms of like what it's doing graphically. Like it, it I I think there's more personality into it than necessarily the high budget uh, uh, performance that maybe you'd expect from this type of game. But for what they showed out of gameplay, I was very impressed. I was not. I I, I think they had a a, a up hill battle with me in terms of what they had to do to get me to be really into this game and them them sh starting off and talking about how it's going to be single player and just playing as star lord had me like uh all right <laughs> like okay i guess i don't know why you make a guardians of the galaxy game where you're playing as one person that feels like a weird move but all right okay let's see how this goes but the further they went into the gameplay demo and the more they showed off hey you can command your uh, Guardians of the Galaxy members, like you're commanding Atreus and God of War. I thought that was a really cool touch. That's something that I wouldn't have expected, and I feel like that's such a good solution in terms of how you make a Guardians of the Galaxy game. Them showing off the, the gunplay and having it look a little bit like a traditional action game mixed with a little bit of Ratchet and Clank in there with the shooting and the uh, like the amount going 15. on. A yeah. Bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, that that spoke, spoke to me a bit. I thought that was a unique take. Them showing off choices in the narrative, again, something I would not have expected, but could be really cool. It could be really fun, especially given how much of the writing seemed like it hit during that demo. Again, I think they had a Herculean task with showing off Guardians of the Galaxy. And for the most part, for me, it hit. For me, I think this game is going to be really fun. And if you're telling me that it is going to be 
maybe the same quality as Avengers, except it has way more focus on the single player because it's solely single player. And so it's not going to have the parts of Avengers that felt like they were split in two directions. I think that is the best thing <laughs> that, 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 that you can Honestly, say about it. Honestly, I'm right there with you, man. Totally. Yeah. Very much looking forward to that one. But then, yeah, we also got Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, which was pitched as a bold new vision for Final Fantasy. The game is scheduled to launch in 2022 on PS4, PS5, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. And this is one that I think we were all looking forward to because we had the rumored reports that they were going to talk about it, and this is going to be one of the temples of the presentation. And from what I can tell from our conversations about it and just taking a glance at the internet, seemed like it fell fell flat entirely. Yeah, I mean, Square Enix's showcase yesterday was a bummer, uh, with the exception of Guardians. I said this in our Gamescast, but Guardians, I feel, would have been better placed in a bigger conference, like being part of the Xbox show or if PlayStation had a show. But seeing it as part of this, it was like, okay, cool. We have the the one big announcement, and then we're just kind of going through. And I feel like they just did a piss-poor job showcasing their titles. It was very confusing presentation in terms of what their mobile offering is and what the actual like content that they're putting out with the release schedule in any shape or form what that looks like and yeah babylon's fall and then later final fantasy origin stranger of paradise excuse me uh both just looked very 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 bad and crowding an already crowded games market and an already crowded square enix market of like what they're even trying to do it's it's making too much noise final fantasy has kind of cleaned itself up a bit in my opinion in the last like couple of years and they're at like the, the a big peak right like almost a renaissance it's not quite like the golden age of like the ps1 through ps2 era where it was like a, a quality final fantasy game coming out every year almost um which is crazy to think final fantasy 7 8 and 9 came out pretty much back to back but yeah. uh here it's like we have final fantasy 7 remake final fantasy 16 looks really exciting to people final fantasy 14 is one of people's favorite games of the the current moment and uh, this moment's lasted a while at this point so to see more titles using the names or the characters or the, just even the gameplay style it's like oh man you're muddying the waters yeah yeah it, it sucks too because it, again if you if you looked at the square enix showcase and and presented it as a list of announcements you know if you came to me before the showcase and you were like hey they're gonna announce a Guardians of the galaxy game they're gonna show off babylon's fall they're gonna uh, show off a final fantasy game that that is from the, the folks behind neo that is gonna be more of an action take that is more souls like i'd be like dude this this conference is about to be off the chain but yeah th- uh, them showing off stranger of paradise final fantasy felt weird and uh unexciting and in pretty much every way like even the stream quality seemed bad and going back and watching the youtube trailer shocked to see that it still looked not great uh and yeah like nothing about it i think spoke to it being interesting there was no hook to it there was no uh this is what makes this final fantasy game different outside of maybe the combat outside of the way that that it's played the main characters didn't look that fantastic especially compared to other final fantasy main characters that we've gotten uh again like weird showcase overall but this one in particular struck me as how like how did you how did you mess this up how did this happen which i think is a big bummer totally tim one of the biggest bummers for me though was this game called babylon's fall which is a game that i've been looking forward to since their announcement because it's a game that's from platinum games from the same team as near automata near automata one of the best games of the last generation and i say that with confidence 
Babylon's Fall, though, made an appearance at the Square Enix Showcase, and I have to ask the question, what the fuck happened to Babylon's Fall? Kevin, I have two trailers in the the doc, uh, if you can bring them up when you can. The trailer for the December 2019 State of Play, uh, which, again, was from December 2019, so that was about a year and a half ago. And then I have the E3 trailer that played today. It seems like somewhere in the last year and a half, this game drastically changed. This game drastically changed. Kevin has it brought up here. Uh, if you can scroll a little bit forward into where they actually actually get into the gameplay. There are plenty of people, including myself, including Andy Cortez, including my roommate Michael Hyam, that were super excited for Babylon's Fall. And if you look at this trailer, I think this speaks to why. Because this trailer right here, right, the older trailer of Babylon's Fall, looked like a traditional cool-ass platinum game. This yep. looks awesome. Uh, there was no inkling of multiplayer, no inkling of live service stuff. Uh, this, what they're showing on screen right here, looks like a a traditional Platinum Games video game. The trailer we got yesterday at the Square Enix thing looks like almost a different game with a slightly changed art style, different characters that do not look fun to play. It looks like a multiplayer game, uh, and it it just didn't look good compared to to the, to the stuff we've already seen from Babylon's Fall. On top of that, I do want to bring in a, a an article from Austin Gosselin at Polygon who talked about how Babylon's Fall from Platinum Games is now a live service game. The article goes like this. Three years after its announcement, Babylon's Fall got a new trailer and more details than ever at Square Enix's E3 2021 presentation on Sunday. Among those details was the fact that the game is being developed and planned as a live service game according to developer Platinum Games. In a brief developer message after the E3 trailer, members of Babylon's Falls, Babylon Falls Babylon's Falls development team explained that the game will receive updates after its release that include new content. According to the game's YouTube trailer description, this content will include, quote, game modes uh, and will be released for free. The developers also explained that the game will be will be playable in single player, but also allow players to team up in groups of, of four to complete dungeons, which is a possible place for some of the new content to come in. It's not clear if the co-op will be limited to dungeons or if it will be available in the rest of the game as well. Outside of its newly announced live service elements, Babylon's Fall looks pretty similar to what Square Enix and, and Platinum Games have shown before. I'm going to chime in uh, and say it uh, doesn't really, uh, but to continue with the article, it's still an action RPG with a heavy emphasis on hack and slash combat and is still set in the glowing city of Neo-Babylon, a setting that seems to mix high fantasy and biblical elements. This new trailer also confirmed that the game will, would be coming to PlayStation 5, as well as the previously announced platforms of PS4 and PC. Unfortunately, one thing the game does not have is a release date, although we can sign up for the beta uh, on the game's official website. And I asked the question once again, what the fuck happened to Babylon's Fall? I need to know what happened to platinum man platinum like they're just so all over the place it's either some of the best games ever made or just trash and it just seems like there's very little consistency at this point of even between team to team seemingly or at least i i don't know where we're at now platinum doesn't when i hear platinum i don't think oh man i expect quality here i ex i'm like okay i expect more of this type of stuff it's so upsetting yeah it's so it's totally. so upsetting because when you i know, think of platinum i I think of Nier Automata. I think about how people love Bayonetta 2. I think of Astral Chain. Platinum Games is a dope-ass developer, and it feels like for the last year, quite a few of the projects have been getting fucked. And, like, it makes me worry about them in general. Are we going to get back to that uh, uh, level of Platinum that we love and adore? There's ebbs and flows, and I feel like, honestly, we will. Like, the talent is there, and we're seeing them make games, and I, I think that it's just a matter of... there's while the trash has to exist to keep the the stuff people love going i don't really know but platinum seems to have that unlock and has been doing that for a long time 
Um, I'm hoping that we start seeing some better stuff from them, though, because, like, again, at some point, it's just noise. Yeah. Tim, very excited to see the day that Platinum Games comes back to greatness. Hopefully the day isn't so far away. But, Tim, if I want to know where I can go right now, today, uh, to figure out what's coming to Mom and Grop Shops, where would I go? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today, we got nothing. Nothing's out today, but we do have some new dates. King's Hunt open beta is coming to Steam June 22nd, and then Hitman 3, the third DLC uh, in the Seven Deadly Sins collection, Sloth, goes live on June 15th. Sloth and any of the past or future individual installments can be purchased individually for $4.99, or players can buy the whole Seven Deadly Sins collection for $29.99. We got a couple of deals of the day for you. Amazon Prime members can claim the following exclusive Luna deals. Leading up to and during Prime Day, uh, this is June 14th through 22nd, you can get 30% off the Luna controller, a high-performance gaming controller designed for gaming uh, through Cloud Direct technology that can easily transition your game from one screen to the next on Fire TV, iPad, uh, laptop, and more. Also compatible for play with USB and Bluetooth beyond Luna. Uh, then you can purchase the Fire, Fire TV Stick 4K and Luna controller bundle at a discounted price of $73.98, a very specific price. Uh, that's more than $40 off. And then on Prime Day, that's June 20, 21st to 22nd, Amazon Prime members can get access uh, or can access games on the Luna Plus channel without requesting an invite for early access and can instantly start their seven-day free trial on Luna Plus. I've never tried Amazon Luna. I should give that a try. I want to I check that out because it seems like an interesting one. Seems like a yeah, Greg. One. Greg did. Uh, Greg did a stream. He, I, I don't remember the things, but you can watch the video of his thoughts on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Plays. Now it's time to ask some reader mail. Of course, you can go to patreoncom slash games where you can get the show ad free and write in with your questions, just like the nanobiologist did. The nanobiologist wrote in to ask, "Hey guys, first, fantastic coverage of E3 so far. Thank you, nanobiologist." Y'all made this year feel way more exciting and fun hanging out with the best friends in chat and bearing through bad conferences together. Now we've seen a lot of trailers in the past three to four days, and there's many more to come. What studio or game do you think most people are, are sleeping on? What game out of the many you've seen so far do you think should be on everyone's list? For me, it's Forza Horizon 5 and Playground Games, the most consistent studio out there regarding game quality and fun. Thanks, the nanobiologist. Tim. Do you feel like there are any of these E3 announcements that folks are sleeping on? Uh, I'm, I think that Verizon, Forza Horizon 5 is a, is a great answer because especially with Game Pass, I mean, you can go now and go get for, Forza Horizon 4 mm-hmm. and, and play to see that that franchise, there's definitely something special there. There's just pure fun to be had. And even if you're not necessarily into racing games, uh, or at least you don't think you are, I think that there's a lot of fun there with the sandbox element to it and just the kind of over-the-top production value, really, that the game has to really make it feel like a, a fun experience in a way that the more Sims-style stuff like Gran Turismo and whatever never really hooked me uh, in. It's kind of just fun to to get in there and just drive around a bit. Um, otherwise, I do feel like this year has had a, a lot of indies showcased and so many of them like are cool. And I, I think that it's less about specific titles and more about like, check out one of the indie showcases. Like you don't need to look at all of them, but I think that so far, uh, whether it's the wholesome direct or gorilla collective or what I'm imagining, 
I'm hoping that later today at the at noon when we get the E3 Indie Showcase, that is kind of a dialed-in best of the best. We're only showing curated titles that we're trying to showcase that have already been seen at other things, maybe a couple surprises. But um, check it, check one of those out because there's going to be something for you that's under your radar for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it is the indie stuff in general. You know, like the indie, the indie showing this year has been very strong, especially – uh, during some of the indie showcases, uh, games like Fire Girl, games like Robo Dunk, Unmetal is one that I, I really love the concept of. That one is the one that is a old school Metal Gear parody where you're playing something, you're playing a game that looks like Metal Gear for the NES, uh, but it has a comedic twist on it. I think that was such a cool looking game, especially for me as somebody who uh, likes the Metal Gear franchise a lot. Uh, BPM, Bullets Per Minute, is another one that looks really cool. And then Demon Turf is one that has a fantastic art style that I'd say any should go check out the one i do want to shout out um uh, specifically though is a uh, musical story or is it a musical story um a musical story yeah which is a really cool game that was shown off during day of the devs which is this rhythm game slash uh narrative game with a really cool art style where you're i, I guess you're part of this traveling band uh the greg was the one that put me on it uh or onto it looks really cool looks really fantastic and is a pure example of what I love out of uh, indie showcases, something that looks super cool and unique and that is going to speak to somebody in a very specific way. For me, as somebody who really loves music and somebody who likes rhythm games and somebody who likes narrative as well, I'm very much looking forward to that one. And so go check out A Musical Story, everybody. Yeah, Phantom uh, Abyss is the one that I have my eye on for sure. Yep, that's another one for sure, for sure, for sure. Tim, folks mm -hmm. can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you can write and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and podcast services around the globe. Tim, I'm, ha I'm happy to say that we have no you wrongs. Yeah. And I'm going to do a quick refresh because that, that sounds asinine. We went through so much information. Yeah, it looks like we have no you wrongs. We do have one written in, though, that I wouldn't say is a you're wrong, but I, I want to read it just so I can I can talk about this real quick. All right, mm -hmm. Joven wrote in to says, hey, I love KF. I've watched all your E3 2021 content, but y'all need to stop calling it Coach Media or Cock Media. It's Coke Media, like the soda. Thanks. And to that, Jobin, I say during the Coke Kosh Cock Media presentation, they said they, they said it in two different ways. Them. They said all of them. They, they, At one point, they said the, all the, of them. The, like, the, like, yeah, the dude from the Netherlands was like, Koch, Coke, Cock. They said it all. I de like, I definitely, I definitely heard Cock, and I heard Koch both being said in like a ten minute span of mm -hmm. that stream. And so, so they to that, know. I say to each their own. Some people say to, uh, potato, some people say potato. I've never heard one person say potato, but still, I'm sure somebody out there says it. To each their own. I am tired of this discourse. I'm saying cock. All right, yeah, <laughs> that's how I'm saying it, Tim. Are. I'm cocking it up, Tim. I'm cocking it up. This week's hosts are kind of fun. Games Daily go like this. Tomorrow, it's me and Tim. We're back at it like a bad habit. Wednesday, it's me and Question Mark. Still figuring that one out. Thursday, is Greg and Tim. And then on Friday, it's Greg and me. If you're watching this live on Twitch, after this is us reacting to Halo Infinite's multiplayer overview, followed by the E3 Indie Showcase, then an afternoon of gaming before we react to Cap the Capcom Showcase. And P.S. I love you, XOXO, after that. So stay tuned to twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames all day for some of that video game goodness. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news and news know about we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games i lied we don't <laughs> we do not have a post show because it's a very busy week so bear with us as we're still in the e3 madness but i hope that's okay because we have so much content in general that you're not going to miss out so stick 
around on twitch.tv slash games if you're watching this live. Otherwise, until next time, game daily.